Welcome to Core Nourishment. I'm Annie Wagner, your host. This podcast is designed to empower, inspire, ignite presence, purpose, and intention in your day. Welcome back to the Core Nourishment Podcast. This is Annie Wagner, your host, and I am jumping up and down right now with giddiness, just feeling so incredibly grateful to be back in action with podcasting. It absolutely lights me up being able to land in such presence with others and listen to their stories, their vulnerability, courage, rawness, and purpose. So if you are interested in being a guest on my podcast, please reach out. I would love to hear from you. You can find me at anniewagoner.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Core Nourishment. And if you haven't already done so, if you wouldn't mind just taking a moment to head on over to iTunes and offer a rating and a review, I would so greatly appreciate it. So I got to record episode 40 today, which feels pretty darn celebratory, and like divine timing that it was with Susan McNamara. She is founder of Remembering What Matters Most, and I'm so in love with that name. She talks all about it. And Susan is a certified holistic health counselor, Kripalu yoga teacher, shamanic practitioner. She's also a partner, mom, educator, writer, collaborator. And she opens up about her doctoral chase and breaking free, taking a leap to come back home to herself, her family, her core values, and her purpose. Susan's heart and passion Her courage and vision are so beautiful and inspiring. She's a champion for health, the environment, and living in truth, and is truly creating a new self-care paradigm. Also launching her first book called Trusting Your Body next month in May. So take time to pause and tune in. There is so much wisdom and richness in this episode. We had so much fun together and enjoy. We're recording. I'm so excited. Susan, one of my favorite questions to ask, I know we were talking about this before, um, but it's just right now in this moment, what is lighting you up? What is nourishing your soul? Mm. You know, I love that question. And I know we talked a couple of weeks ago in preparation for today. And that question keeps bouncing around in my mind. It's interesting because I think that on the surface, I would answer things like how I cook food or grow food or my daily practice or time spent in the woods. And certainly all those things do really nourish me. But if I think about right now, what's really up for me in terms of what's feeling really deeply nourishing, it's I think I would describe it as an attitude inside of my own mind that keeps growing more and more as the years go by. And that attitude is one of allowing myself to just be where I am, how I'm feeling, who I am, separate from expectations of other people, separate even from my own expectations and standards, just this way that I'll catch myself sometimes throughout the day with some version of 
like I just get to be as is like, I don't have to improve anything. I don't have to improve my diet. I don't have to, um, you know, change anything in my life. And that for me has been feeling nourishing at a level that's even, I almost want to say like beyond or below even things like how I eat or how I relax or how I spend time in nature. So thank you. That question, I think it's going to keep going through my mind. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I love that, Susan. That's beautiful. It has me like thinking about um, the breath too. And just one of my favorite things to think about or that I tell myself, and sometimes I'll share with my my yoga students is how um, you can imagine the breath as like a sip of compassion back into our bodies. And so when you were sharing that, I was visualizing just like gentleness and warmth, you know, just like pouring through yourself and um, what a beautiful practice to share with, with everyone listening today, because um, I know it's so easy to get kind of caught up even in our own expectations, as you said. So thank you. Right. And I love what you're saying about the breath because I, I've been a student and a teacher of the breath now for decades. And I love that idea of the breath like I, when you say it, I feel like it's almost like permeating, it's going through all of me. And what I was just describing is having that same experience on me, because especially in today's day and age, where on the one hand, I think it's so great that there's more being done around self-care, but now self-care has become like this billion dollar industry where things are being sold to us all the time. And even something is really wonderful as say, for instance, changing your diet is a wonderful thing. But if we've got an attitude in our minds that something is broken or Mm -hmm. we're wrong, if we eat this or don't eat that, that it doesn't matter how much good food we eat, or it doesn't matter how much we quote exercise, though I hate that word exercise, that it's really this fundamental attitude, which I think is a really hard balancing point because how do you really deeply nourish yourself in a way that doesn't become like another part of the checklist, basically, or yeah. another, right? Or another yeah. part of, oh, now I didn't hit the mark today, or I'm doing it wrong, or, oh, I'm doing it differently than somebody else. So I must be less than or better than, right? Because we'll flip, but we'll, you know, we'll flip back and forth. So I'm just really appreciating that the older that I get that, yes, the specifics matter a lot in terms of what we do in our lives, like the tangibles, but the attitude behind it all, the intention, the motivation, that's really where the the most juice or power, if you will, comes from. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. I feel like I want to like jump up and down. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's that that um, I feel like this is thrown out there so much right now, but that enoughness, not enoughness, you know, and like just how often through messaging or through, again, as you said, self-care practices that are genuinely amazing and gifts, um, but how quickly they can become like, I'm like feeling like a, like hard to breathe, you know, like this pressure. And then we're quickly feeling like we can't keep up and then it's not, then we're not enough, you know, or um it's overwhelming. Yeah. So to land back, what I'm hearing is to land back really in the present and much deeper than those things that might be on our checklist, you know, but to drop into sensation and right now um, and really landing in compassion for ourselves. Um, Yeah. That's beautiful. 
Yeah, because it's, you know, it's really interesting to observe, especially as the self-care business and yoga is taken off in the West, that the human mind will take anything and mm-hmm. create a distortion with it, right? Mm-hmm. Even the most beautiful practices, even the most nourishing things we can use against ourselves or against other people. And then, of course, we haven't even factored in the way that now the marketing efforts are all built on there being either something wrong with us or something missing, or just when I look out and I see what's happening, there's this just high level of dissatisfaction that's being bred, I think, almost in us that you, you, you're you not going to be okay until you have this thing or until you do that thing. And those can be really wonderful things unto themselves. But if we take that attitude towards ourselves, mm-hmm. I feel like as opposed to what you're talking about with the compassion, we're using some kind of like a knife almost against ourselves or, you know, right in this day and age with social media and all of the comparisons that then we can even use it as a way to divide ourselves against other people, even when we're not thinking ill of them, even when we're just looking at them and thinking their lives are so much better than mine, or they've got it together and I don't, that's creating a divide between us that's ultimately going to come back against us. Yeah. Yes. It's so true. And, and it's, um, it's so sad. Like I, I'm like, it just feels sad, you know, to witness this happening. And then I meet people and connect with people like you, Susan. And I'm like, yes, like I feel so grateful and hopeful and enlivened. And I, I do love like witnessing um, practitioners and healers out there who are connecting with this, you know, I'm going to use your word attitude and helping to um, guide others to tap into that within themselves. So on that note, um, your, I love your website is called remembering, you know, it's remembering what matters most. And to me, that's exactly what you're you're touching upon as you're sharing, you know, this attitude that you're tuning into for yourself. Um, and then that you empower others to connect to this bio-individuality, um, as well as um, self-care in a much deeper, deeper, um, authentic and real way, because it's already within us. So I guess I, my first question is, um, where do you start with people, you know, with this overwhelmment, like out there around you know, everything that's on social media and in the world. And if someone were to come to you and just who feels lost, um, disconnected from their body and their self-care, where do you begin? Mm. Wow. I'm <laughs> just thinking, what an enormous question. That I know that's a loaded one. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm just thinking, I, I'm just going to thread back to this because for whatever reasons it's in my mind as I'm starting to answer your question. So You know, one of the things that I loved about the fact that when we started today, you weren't, before we started to record, you weren't all business with me. The first question that you actually asked me was, how are you doing? How are you feeling about today? You you know, you didn't come at me with with all of the logistics and and all the things that I needed to be thinking about. And that's a rare find in the world. Mm. And, And also such a deeply nourishing one to actually be met either outside of ourselves or inside of ourselves. So with that said, I think I'm thinking right now about my college students and a practice that I've had in play for, you know, more than 15 years right now is that when they start class, 
they've got a journal and they pose the question to themselves, how's it going for me right now? And Mm -hmm. that's the starting point. And so even as my mind is kind of whirling all around about all the different things that I might do with somebody, which is very individually based, I think in, and I appreciate the question because it's making me think about this a little bit more. I think that in one shape or form, I'm always posing that question. Like, how are you doing in this moment? Because if we don't know where, where we're at, if we don't know where our starting point is, how can we possibly know how to get to where we're trying to go to? You know, it makes me think about like, if you and I were going to take a trip to Canada, but we didn't know where we were starting from, like, are we starting in Mexico? Are we starting in Europe? Are we starting in the States? And if you don't know where your starting point is, how can you possibly be able to get to where you're trying to go to? Right. So for me, and, and I think that the reason why this is such an important question for me, both personally and professionally, is because I know I certainly didn't get it growing up. I got the opposite, where there was no question around how are you doing? There was just an expectation to be according to how other people thought you should show up and certain emotions were allowed and certain thoughts were allowed. You know, I grew up Catholic, Catholic schools all the way through to high school. And -hmm. there was a very small band that you could operate within and nobody was ever like asking you how you're doing. And now we're living in a world where we, we never even have to know how we're doing because there's so many ways for us to medicate ourselves or distract ourselves. And I feel like that that's, probably one of the most fundamental, you know, I don't know, foundations of suffering or something is that like, we don't know how we're doing. And because we don't know how we're doing, we're harming ourselves and we're harming others around us and we're harming the planet. Because if, if we all really stopped and we're checking in and asking that question more often, like, how's it going for me? You'd notice everything from the most simple things like, oh, you know, my hair tie is too tight and it's starting to give me a headache or boy, that thing that I just ate isn't sitting well with me or wow, like what my boss just said to me is still reverberating through and it's touching something and it's upsetting me in ways that might be like disproportionate to the moment, right? And so if we don't know that, if we don't know how we're doing, we're not going to know what we need. And, and for me, that is the core, I think, of what I'm always trying to get back to is what do we actually need as human beings in order to thrive? Like not just survive and, and kind of barely make it through, but on every level, what do we actually need? And if we're not asking ourselves that question, how is it going for me right now? We're not going to know what we need. And the other thing is we're going to be, I mean, it's a strong word to use, but we're going to be prey or we're going to be subject to the wrong agendas, mm, right? Because yeah. we're going we're gonna to be outside of ourselves. We're not going to know what we're experiencing. So we don't know what we need. And then somebody else comes along and says, do this and you'll be better. Do this and you'll be okay. And that's just not true. So for me, I guess I would say, no matter what I'm doing, it's always trying to direct people back to themselves and back to the I think the permission and both the courage to say, how am I doing right now? Because 
for as much as we will talk about anything these days in terms of mental health, which I think is, is a good change, but I'm also seeing that kind of flip into something strange too, yeah. the way that we'll put certain stuff out into the world. So as much as people will post all kinds of very personal stuff about themselves on social media, that still doesn't feel to me like you're with yourself mm. and really deeply wondering and then acknowledging how you're doing. It almost feels like you're kind of outsourcing that again by you're just kind of puking it out into the world, but you're not really with it in a, in a meaningful way for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That word intentions coming back that you've, you've mentioned a few times, you know, in that specific example, like, like really, like I, I witnessed people like it with pure like hope, you know, and, and, and um, what am I trying to say? Like the desire to tap into that courage and bravery within themselves to start to be more vulnerable, but what is really the intention, you know, and can they start with themselves? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant, Susan. Thank you. Um, it's to me, like that's present mindfulness, you know, and I know that you're, you know, you teach relaxation techniques and, and mindfulness based practices um, as part of what you do amongst many other um, things, being a holistic health coach, yoga teacher, shamanic practitioner. Um, you, you are just rich with so much skill and also just being in your presence right now, your energy um, automatically, you know, I'll, I'll say, I'll speak for everyone out there, like allows people to land right here um, in, a, in a safe and nurturing um, and supportive way. So I really appreciate um, your uh, just honesty and your real critical thinking around that question and the sharing of just coming back right to that basic, yeah, it doesn't feel so basic question of how am I doing right here, right now? Yeah. Right. And can I give myself permission to receive whatever that answer is? Mm, right. Right. That's mm. like the second part, which is a really big deal because there's just a lot that we don't want to know. There's a lot that we don't want to know about what's going on in our minds or emotions or our bodies. So it does take an enormous amount of courage and then discernment because when I'm thinking in my own life or helping people to, to, to make that kind of, I think about it like a U-turn because mm -hmm. so often our attention is going outside of ourselves and to make that U-turn to come back into yourself again means that you're going to meet up with some stuff you've been trying to avoid. You know, yeah. you've been, you're right. You, I yeah. can see in your face, you know, that like you're going to meet up with stuff that it just would be really so much easier to kind of shove under the rug or medicate away. And, and so to that end, and, you know, and then we live in a culture, we love the quick, easy, quick, easy fix. We love the magic pill. We love the thing that's going to, you know, fix the symptom, but not take care of the root of it. So what I'm proposing here is a very root-based getting to the heart of our lives and what's happening. And, you know, it's just, I just have to say, as you're pouring all this love in my direction, I have to pour some back toward you because I feel like, you know, for a good part of my life, it's felt like, boy, I don't even know if the world wants to hear what it is that I have to say around these things, because mm -hmm. what I'm proposing takes more effort. It takes yeah. more authenticity. It takes more courage. And it takes a lot of support and a lot of 
kind of a willingness. Like, so I'm a Kripalu yoga teacher. And one of the ways that the tradition will often be described is as the pathless path. Right. And that can feel really daunting. And and that's been my experience of my own personal journey. And then also watching others that while as much as we all want the map and we want to know, okay, if I do this, I'm going to get that. And if I go in this direction, this is going to happen. But that's just not truth. That's just not how right. Right. I can yeah, it's so yeah. like nonlinear. Yeah. <laughs> it's all yeah. over the place. And right. you're gonna you're gonna wind up in places that you didn't even know existed, both both good and bad. Like I'm not really using the words in that way, but both places that you're like, wow, I didn't even know I had this in me mm-hmm. in both ways that feel challenging and ways that feel really uplifting. And so, yeah. you know, right? So when we're talking about this and we're talking about what you and I are talking about in the world at large. You know, as somebody said to me not too long ago, like that's a hard sell, you know, because what you're really talking about is personal responsibility. You're really talking about people claiming and taking charge of their own lives in a world that loves to outsource the responsibility to everybody else. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's so true. And yet here you are, Susan, like showing up and um, yeah, like you are a champion for this and and I can feel that. Um, And it's, I mean, I, for listeners out there, I was looking at Susan's website um, this morning and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to jump through. I want to visit your farm, which I want you to share about Susan. I want to come on one of your retreats. Um, Your membership program looks incredible. So I'd love to hear, I'd love for you to be able to share a little bit more about um, like how, yeah, how you land with people and help them to take that, claim their personal responsibility and claim their humanness and, and really lean in to all of that work. Yeah. You know, it's been a really um, long and interesting journey for me. And even just I feel like it's only recently within the last few years that I've really come to understand, I think in a fuller way, what I've been doing and what I'm trying to do. And I think it does get captured in the name of my website, um, remembering what matters most. I think in one way or another, that's what I'm always trying to do in my life. And I'm trying to help people to see the value in that as well. And so that can be, you know, because for the longest time, so I'll just give you some of my background. So I, I was a business major as an undergrad. And then I realized, you know, that is not at all who I was or what I wanted to do. And I had this, you know, I've had sort of these massive moments of breaking from the past and moving into something Mm -hmm. else. And then I went to get my master's in psychology. And then I went on to get my doctorate in clinical psychology. And so at the time when I left, I was literally in the 11th hour of getting my doctorate. I had done three or four years, I think it was three years of courses, the internships, the practicums, the qualifying exams, and I was in the process of writing my dissertation. And I, at the time, had an 18-month-old, and I think my daughter, yeah, so she was probably just before three. And it was stressful, as you can imagine. Yeah, Yeah. trying to write this dissertation, and I was doing it on the transformational experience of pregnancy. 
And I personally love the topic, but the institution that I went to thought it was too, I don't know, like wooey or not real or something. But I knew that having been pregnant had completely changed my life in a way that I had never been changed before in terms of getting my priorities straight, in terms of really taking a very deep look at my life. And so I'm in the process of trying to, you know, it's like April and I've got to be done with this by like, I think the beginning of May in order to defend it, to graduate that year. Mm -hmm. And I had a fatal flaw in my statistics that I had, uh, it had taken me a long time to get all the data. I had been going to OBGYN offices and I was having women who were pregnant fill out this whole series of questionnaires. And it had taken me like, two or more years to get what I had gotten. And it was really painstakingly slow. And so Mm -hmm. my advisor had said, why don't you go online to like an online community where pregnant women are and do it that way. And I was like, Oh, great. I did it. It was instantaneous. I got all of this, you know, the rest of what I needed for my subjects in. But then when we went to go run the numbers, the group from from that I had gotten online and the group that I had gotten in person were somehow statistically different. And so basically I couldn't put them together, which oh, meant yeah. I was going to have to go back to the drawing board and oh, do it again. And I literally had like a huge meltdown where I wound up for the first and only time being really physically rough with my 18 month old who didn't get into the car when I told him we needed to go shopping and, you know, cut to just like really like my worst mothering moment ever. And my husband came home that night and said, like, you know, saw me just in a heap. And, you know, as we were talking about it, I had been saying all along in my doctoral chase that once I got the doctorate, once I got the doctorate, then I was going to do the work that I really wanted to do. Like I wasn't interested Mm -hmm. at all. In, in in what I had been trained in. As a matter of fact, I saw a lot of problems with it, but I kept thinking that if I had the doctor before my name, that that was going to give me the credibility that I needed. That was going to then allow me to do the more mind-body things that spirit-informed work that I wanted to be doing. And my husband just said one question to me, and he said, do you think you've been using this as a way to avoid taking a leap that you need to make? And oh, I just got the chills. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I almost feel like I could cry. I've been told the story in a really wow. long time. But it was like one of those massive moments in a lifetime where the next night I literally took 10 years worth of papers and books, made a bonfire in our backyard, and my family wow. and I <laughs> danced around this bonfire. And and what it did was it freed me and it really got me clear because. Here I was on this doctoral chase and I was literally violating the things that I valued the most. Like what I valued most were my kids, my husband, our home and living at a sane pace. And none of that was happening Mm -hmm. when I was on that chase. And, And that was the thing that then really opened me up. And I made a um, like a vow to myself that I would never again do a training or any kind of an education that I wasn't 
really jazzed and lit up about. Like I would never do something just to get the degree or the certificate or the whatever. And so that was why, you know, when you read my bio, I've got all these different things because I've just been like following breadcrumbs through the forest for like, you know, two and a half decades trying to figure out like, what is it to be a human being and, and what do we actually need and what perspectives are for me, I'm always looking for that perspective that like transcends time so that, right. So that if you were like now versus 50 years ago versus 50 years from now, that there are some truths that will always hold like, what are the truths of the human spirit or what are the truths in terms of what a body really needs? And because there's just so many ways right now that things are getting so, I mean, they are, and it's just as accelerating how distorted human life is, is becoming right now. And so this has been kind of a long way to come back to, to what you were saying, but I think it's hard for me to answer, um, specific specifics like yes I do teach yoga classes and yes I do run retreats and yes I do the online membership and I write a weekly blog um and for the longest time I thought there was something wrong with me that I couldn't be just like one thing you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's hard to describe like I can't just Mm -hmm. be like oh I'm a midwife but when I look at what I'm doing like I'm always circling around that one thing one way or another about what matters most in the life of a human being. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Susan, for sharing, (laughs) sharing that experience too, because to me, I'm like, that's like, you just broke open everything you've been talking about because that's such a, just, I can only imagine how many people are listening to this who are like, oh my gosh, that's, that's me. Or that was me too. Like, again, like how easy it is in our culture to be striving for things that we genuinely think we, we want, but then we're just kind of going through the motions and, and, um, and doing it for the external versus really for our own soul, for our own heart and for our own purpose. Um, so the word disconnection is like flashing out at me right now because you were, you were really disconnected and, and this might sound cliche too, yet that experience broke you open. That one question that your husband asked you, so beautifully talk about seeing you um, and inviting you um, to see yourself um, to, and have that permission to find more freedom and to take that leap. Um, so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. And, and I also love that vision of, yeah, I, and I can relate, like, it's not just one thing you are offering so many, it's like the spokes on a wheel, you know, from your core, from how you're choosing to show up in this world and your energy and your experience and expertise, you're getting to kind of share these different um, spokes and um, I'm imagining like light pouring out of you in different directions, whether it's through yoga, through mindfulness, through outdoors and woods, you know, like you're getting to hold space um, for people to explore really what helps them come alive and come back to being connected. So yeah, and I think yeah. that, you know, you're, you're helping me to kind of put some pieces together as we're having this conversation, too, around, so yeah, there was absolutely a personal disconnect going on within me, and when I look, so, you know, I made the transition to get into my master's, um, you know, that was counseling psychology, and then at the doctoral level, it was clinical psychology, and so here I was in the world, and I knew that I was here to help. And I knew that it had to do with 
other people's kind of well-being somehow. But in my world at the time, the only thing that I could see, the only thing that was available to me was this very standard, traditional, academic route, go be a psychologist kind of thing. And that, you know, and as you were saying what you were saying, it's also making me kind of put the pieces together around that in a very kind of fundamental way, I'm, I'm, I'm really an introvert. And, and, you know, for those who know me a lot, I have a very hermit kind of side to my, you know, to my life. And yet when I hear you and I'm thinking about the story, it also just puts me in the position where I think what I want people to know is I want people to know that there's another way. I want people to know that if you have some kind of like secret yearning inside of you or this, this sense that something is not right, right, which is kind of how it started for me, instead of turning your back on that, to use that as the portal into finding something, because I just know that there's a lot of us out there that are not satisfied with the world or our lives or feeling like that there's something more, but you, but because you don't see it, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily trust that it exists. Mm-hmm. And so as we're talking, I feel like maybe that is why I'm finally at the place in my life where I feel like I want to step into the world in a bigger way is because I want other people to know that, that because I think that our lives are too precious for us to be doing what it is that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree a thousand percent. And, and I compassionately understand why so many people, you know, and myself included at times, even now I can get stuck in, you know, the have tos or the shoulds or the, Oh my gosh, I got to keep doing this and feeling like, you know, I'm, it's, I keep doing this. Like (laughs) I'm showing Susan listeners, but um, like my hands in this linear way, but that it's, no, it's never, never too late to pause and to take a step this way, or, you know, maybe go back this way. You know, I think, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that and giving permission for others to, to pause and really drop in and, and maybe for the first time, like ask themselves that question, you know, is what I'm doing nourishing me and, and feel expansive or, or am I disconnected and and barely surviving? <laughs> so yeah, and I think you know you bring up such a good point because I would never want this to come off as being some perfectionistic thing, right? That like we're all getting stuck, you know, we're all getting off track all the time. But if we don't have some kind of a north star, some kind of a something that we're aiming for, whether you mm. want to call those values or remembering what matters most to you or an intention. If you don't have that, we're back to you're not going to know how to get to where you're trying to get to because it is the human condition for us to be remembering and forgetting and remembering and forgetting. But it's almost like I I often have like when we were kids, we had the we had like um the sunfish, you know, those little tiny sailboats, you'd have to tack, you know, with the tides and with the wind. And so if you were trying to get from point A to point B, it wasn't just a straight line. You had to kind of go back and forth across that line that you were trying to hold 
according to the tides and according to the wind. And I feel like it's the same thing with our lives, that it's not just a straight shot to what it is. But if you don't even know what it is, it was like me with the dissertation, you know, like if I had had, you know, and obviously I, I had the experience that I had for very important reasons, right? And also in an alternative universe, right? If I had had like a medicine woman as my teacher, I, I it would have been a very different experience for me because I would have been like, oh, that that's what I can go for. But I think sometimes we only have a very narrow understanding of what's available to us. Yeah. Yeah. And what's possible. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Susan, when you were being, when you were a kid and I love that, that visualization of the, the sunfish. Um, I'd love to ask you, you know, if when you close your eyes and drop into being a child um, and it sounds like you had a pretty, um, you know, the, the Catholic upbringing and, and a lot of expectations um, um where you are now with remembering what matters most and really having reconnected or connected to your heart and your purpose. When you think back to being a child, is there a moment that you think back to where you have a glimpse of that already within you? Because my belief is that um, like our, our superpowers, I believe everyone has superpowers, but kind of that purpose, our energy, our innate healing, our superpowers are already within us. Um, and Sometimes it just takes a lot of years to kind of peel back and uncover to rediscover that. But for some people, it's discovering for the first time later. So um, I know that's kind of like a long-winded question, but I'm curious to know if you look back at yourself as a young girl um, and think about experiences you may have had. Is there any moment that stands out where you're like, oh, there she is. Like, okay, like there she was having an experience that now you are reconnecting with within yourself. Hmm. Wow. Uh, that's an amazing question. Um, it's interesting because I'm, I'm kind of getting this um, like montage almost, if you will, of just like different cuts and different images kind of when I was young as a kid growing up and, you know, one way, shape or form, it always included um, caring really deeply about the well-being of other people um, caring really deeply about, like I had, uh, this enormous pine tree in our backyard and it was a real haven for me. And so mm -hmm. that I can see that showing up. And then, you know, I was the kid that would find like, you know, dead birds or something on the sidewalk and come back and bury them under that tree. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. You know, and I was also, yeah. born, interestingly enough, you know, like, yeah, there's all these images coming through of, you know, being, I don't know, eight or nine and deciding I was going to figure out how to make like homemade uh, raviolis from scratch, you know? Yes. And, and so I love to cook right now. I love cooking for other people. It's a really, um, it's a deeply sacred act for me. I feel the connection of it. So yeah, I, I don't know that I could say there was this one moment in time, but I have to think about this one more, but I'm certainly getting a montage of the images that I just shared with you. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be one. Um, yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned the pine tree because I was imagining you because I know you've said a few times you love being in the woods. Like I was imagining you outside. Um, so yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So on that note of being outside and I already mentioned the farm, would you share with listeners um, 
just your passion for out- outdoors and what the farm is about? Yeah. So, you know, this was another one of those huge leaps of faith that my husband and I made um, trying to remember. So it was 2004 that we, it's funny, I just finished a yoga training and my mind opened way up and my husband had grown up on Cape Cod and Mm. his, his family's business was down there. So I had moved down there after we got married, we were raising kids and I really always imagined he would never leave the Cape because he had community there. He had root, his roots were there. And one day after this training, I just came back and I, I said, uh, would you ever consider going someplace else? And he was all in. And so we kind of very magically found our way to um, the Pioneer Valley. So we're in Southampton, Massachusetts. And we had literally the year before we moved out here, we had created an intention together about what we wanted for, we were looking for more land and um, what we wanted. And I kid you not, we went to this little um, fair over Labor Day and they had one of those real estate little booths or something where they had the you know, oh, yeah. real estate books that will, they'll have all the different, you know, offerings in there. Right. And we picked one of those up. And as we were driving home, he was like, Oh my God, listen to this. He starts reading a description of a piece of land that literally had phrases from the intention that we had created about what we were looking for. It was, it was Ooh. really, wow. <laughs> it was Power a manifestation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, wow. that's, a, that's a whole nother thing, but that's yeah. where we wound up. And so we're on 45 mm-hmm. acres, and then it's also surrounded by protected water field um, lands. And so we came and we've been living here. We have a yurt on the property. Mm. You know, we grow some of our food. We're not, we call it the farm at Avalon. It's not like a proper farm. It's just our kind of farm. But yeah, one of my favorite things to do is not just teach yoga here, but also to have people for various reasons come and spend time on the land. So whether that's a woman's circle or a retreat, because there's just so like, I just consider the land as like a co-facilitator with me that the land does so much of the holding and the healing and the growth and the understanding, you know, I just feel like you people just get a few minutes outside Mm. Um, with a little bit of an intention and it's amazing to see what it can do in a person's life yeah yeah I feel that so so deeply Susan and I love that vision of the space brings me right back to envisioning envisioning you as a little girl under the pine tree you know it's like you've now taken that spark within you and have expanded it tenfold for other people um, whether it's coming for a retreat or for a yoga class um, and just getting to experience being in nature. And, and I think what that perspective offers, you know, the, a, like the present mindfulness, all I imagine, like just the smells, you know, plus the sounds and the air. And then if the sun's out, vitamin D and then the, and then just everything blown open. Like for me, whenever I'm outside, it's like, Oh, right. That's right. I'm just one little tiny speck in this grand universe. And and I appreciate that reminder when sometimes it can be so easy to be um, just right here in our little bubble, you know, and feel feeling perhaps stuck. Um, so yeah, it's very humbling, right? Like, yeah, very humbling and such 
I think, one of the most important reminders because when I look out at the world right now and I see, you know, a lot of the trouble that we're in, a lot of it is human hubris, right? Just this unbelievable, unbelievable arrogance that we're in control and that we're going to shape the world to our will. We're going to bend it or break it, right, to our will. And you get outside and you spend a little bit of time out there and you realize really quickly, like, this is not up to me, right? So like you, you just described all the beautiful moments of being outside, but then yeah. there's the moments too, right? Where like the, the mayflies are getting you or the mosquitoes or the ticks or the, it's too cold or it's raining or now the path is icy or I'm lost. Right. And yeah. Those yeah. Are those are the ones, right, that I think are equally as important because as human beings, if it was up to us, we'd kill all that stuff. And we yeah. would we would try and control the weather, which I know people are trying to do, you know, and it's just absurd to me in terms of like, even if you can do it, like, let's just even say that, let's just even say you can do it. The, the destruction that you're going to create in the wake of that is going to be beyond mm. words. beyond words. And so I just feel like, you know, we get outside and it becomes right-sized in terms of us as human beings. Yeah. Yeah. So true. The profound, the profound impact of that, you know, and the, the, I can't even say it right now, remembrance, (laughs) you know, of like, oh, right. Like of who we really are and where our place is, you know, we're not meant to be in control. And I'm looking outside right now in power of everything it's actually like how can we be in alignment and in harmony um but right the humbling wake-up calls that we can experience too when we're outside yeah yeah gosh thank you susan for the for the picture too um your yurt is that where you teach yoga I do. We're almost going to get there. Come May, we'll go out there until like September. Last year was October because it was so warm. Yeah. And I also, I do women's circles there and um, retreats. And then I've got a really good friend, a great herbalist and um, Jade Alessandro Mace. And she comes out and does herbal trainings out here so that she'll literally spend a day here and identify, you know, a certain plant, like maybe it's yarrow or maybe it's um, mugwort or mother's ward or something. And then, you know, the group will learn about it and make medicine. And so I love also doing things like that, like not just my own stuff, but I love having other people here doing something like that as well. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's great. The collaboration, the energy, the teachings, um, and just again, the connection that I think has been you know, that so many people have been longing for, especially over the last couple of years. Um, but I love that you're able to hold that space and offer that. It's fantastic. Um, I'm curious, Susan, if if I were to be alongside you through a day in the life of you, what's, you know, I know every day could be slightly different, but what's, what's the day in the life of Susan, you know, from like rituals that you practice to, you um, when you actually, when you really check in with yourself and ask, okay, how am I doing? What is it that I need? Um, yeah. What's the day in the life? Yeah. So always for me, my day starts with a practice. Mm-hmm. And so that can look different on different days. It couldn't be so uh, obviously I'm a yoga teacher, right? It could be yoga, breath work. Sometimes it's dance. Sometimes it's, um, 
you know, contemplative reading or journaling. Sometimes, honestly, I'll just sit and do nothing and I'll just Mm -hmm. look out the window. But that for me is that's like non-negotiable. That's, that's how every day. And so, you know, there might be a day where like today I had, you know, two hours to be in a practice. And and sometimes that might only be a half an hour, but I always do try and have one big practice day every week. And often for me, that's on Mondays. And what I love about that is it just, it brings me back to me. And, And that's my big, how's it going for me right now? Because Um, it matters to me how I show up in the world. And it matters to me that I'm not adding to the suffering, you know, and, and look at, we all are in one way or another at certain times, but like my, my sort of main trajectory is to just be caught up with myself enough so that even on the days where, you know, my mind is a mess or I'm going through something, I, I try really in hard to like, kind of do no harm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I find that the only way that I can do that is if I have a sense, you know, like I just had that experience over the weekend, I had a really deep practice kind of working with something that I've been struggling with for a while and came out a practice and was just funky, you know, just yeah. really funky. Yeah. And, um, you know, my husband was around <laughs> and, you know, all of a sudden I found myself, you know, getting short with him about something. And, and, and I, you know, and then I was able to just kind of back away and just say, Hey, I, I had a, I had a kind of a whomping practice. I'm just going through something right now and, and, and to step away. So that, so, so my practice for me does everything to kind of right my ship and then also connect me to something much, much more than myself. Yeah. And then some, you know, some days that may look like I might be in the woods for a walk or a run, or I may just sit on a rock for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I just try and really check in with what I need on any given day. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it could be meditation and, and kind of go from there. And then, you know, my favorite would be I'm coming out of practice and then I'm doing something that's like to do with food, you know, so so whether that's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, soak some oats and put some yogurt in that for myself to let that sit in kind of culture, or I'm starting to prep some kind of a, a meal. Like my favorite day would be that, that I'm in practice I've got some kind of food thing going on for um, at least my husband at this point, because my kids are grown or maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, to be having people for dinner once in a while. Um, And then writing and teaching are my two big things. And um, so I'm, I'm usually doing that one way or another, and I'm trying to find more ways to do that right now. Yeah, I love it. That's amazing. I can still relate to the food piece. Like it's like a creative, out, you know, expression too, and a love language. I'm hearing that for you. So that's totally. beautiful. Yeah. 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 yeah the I, other- used to, I used to I used to tell you this because I was just thinking about it with my kids, but like I used to sometimes at dinner, you know, when they were grown up, I would just like kind of burst out like, I love our food, you know, because <laughs> and at one point they they did this really cute thing for Christmas or something through like vegetables and whatever. They somehow wrote out the words like I love our food because I oh, you know yes. for me yeah like for me that was my first consciousness practice I would say back in my mid-20s was changing the way that I ate changed my entire entire life in a way that I could never have expected. Like I thought I was just trying to you know lose some weight or be healthy or something. I had no clue 
that food could be so profound in changing me. Yeah. What is, what's another example right there, Susan, of like, of, of a profound shift that you felt from changing your diet? My mind. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was doing it for my body, but it was my mind, my emotions evened out the drama in my life went away. And then I just think like another kind of consciousness started to come in that was much more inclusive, much more aware of my impact on the world in a way that I had never thought about before. Mm. And, and sure, I can definitely say that, you know, as you start to, if you've, if you've ever done it, as you start to change your diet and start to think about like, oh, am I going to eat food that has chemicals in it? Or am I going to eat food that's, you know, made in a fast food situation with the energy that that brings, right? So I certainly know that and, and on one level, but my experience of it has been like, literally my mind changed somehow. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I could see you know so that cool. too, right? Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, it's, it's and I love, I love, reminding myself of that, you know, because again, it's, it's not perfection. And and there are definitely times where I'll have, you know, like a little too much sugar. And I feel that impact and not, not only physically, but my mind and my moods, like I can feel the irritability and um, it's like, oh yeah, thank you body for reminding me of this. And um, yeah, it's, it is humbling, but it's, it's so powerful. And I love supporting and empowering others to have that experience and to, to start to to feel that shift um, and experience it because it's hard to explain. <laughs> it but, is, but once you do it, and I think too, that that's why like, you know, forget about the diets, everybody, forget about being good or bad. That stuff is so nothing compared to what the food really has to offer us by way of health and healing and balance and well-being. And I think that it's just a really short-sighted view to get into either these things are good or bad or to be mm-hmm. on a diet. The diets feel like hell to me. Like yeah. I, you couldn't yeah. pay me to go on a diet. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I agree. And I offer, I, as a holistic health coach, one of the things I offer um, clients is a, I like to call it instead of a cleanse, it's like a lifestyle shift. You know, it's, it's like a, they do, you know, it is cutting out it's kind of an elimination diet, but the intention is not for it to be a, a diet you you yo-yo off of that you do and then you bounce right back to what you're doing before. It's like, you know, I take everyone through a lot of practices to a lot of self-care um, to build up. And then there's just fun recipes for ideas and inspiration. And then um yeah, it's it's it can be 10 days, 20 days. But one of my favorite things that most everyone says is I I feel so steady. I feel so calm, you know, <laughs> like after they've gone through it. So it's not like this super like woohoo high you feel but your 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 nervous system relaxes and and your brain like expands um it's more clear so a lot more clarity and just those i think those are the that's the feedback that is the most powerful for people um which is I so cool love love yeah steady can you yes. imagine like right. in the drama trauma of the world right now feeling steady i know wow. i know yeah. 
Yeah. And I, and my wish is for every, you know, every single human to feel that. Mm -hmm. And I believe that everyone can, um, of course there comes accessibility and, um, awareness and education, but, um, but yeah, I, I want that to ripple out. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I know. And I love it. I love that we've had this opportunity to dive into conversation and, and really, and I help to put that energy out there. Um, I really appreciate all that you've shared, Susan. Oh, well, you're very welcome. Thank you. This has been equally fantastic for me. It's been such a great conversation. Yeah, I know. I'm like, we could just go on and on. We could. I've had like, I'm like, oh, and then this, this piece and like this, you know. So um, is there anything else you'd love to, I don't know, anything coming to mind that you'd like to share before we close? Yeah, I think I'll just share one thing, you know, when I was talking about um, being pregnant with my daughter, um, I, I just had this overwhelming sense when I was thinking about bringing a baby into the world, that this baby deserves better was mm-hmm. just and at the time, I didn't even know what that meant. And I'm seeing now I didn't even have to know what that meant. I, I felt like that that was some, some like call to me from deep inside to really look at, uh, you know, what I was bringing to the table as her mother and what she deserved. Um, and not what I see in the world right now where parents are like overdoing or thinking that you have to have them signed up in 50,000 things, or you have to be buying all the latest stuff. That's not what they need. And so when I think about as we're leaving right now, I I would say like what you wish for everybody too, in terms of people knowing that sense of steadiness, I would say that I would wish that people that we all knew that we deserved better, you know, Mm -hmm. that we deserve better than to live, you know, chronically overwhelmed, stressed, or too busy, that we deserve better than eating stuff that isn't even really food, that we deserve better than to have our attention stolen from us every single day, you know, by, by how we use the screens. I mean, I could go on and on about what we deserve better, but I think that until we really understand that, I think that until we really know that we're worth taking care of, you can't do it. And so I would say that that's the starting place is to come to that place of, you know, do I feel like I'm worth it? Do I feel like I deserve better? And if you don't, which is where most of us are going to land, that's your starting point. It's not to try and bypass those awful feelings of unworthiness. It's to, it's to go towards them, not as a way to indulge them, but as a way to recognize that they're there and then start to unwind from all of that because otherwise the other stuff just isn't going to make sense. Right. Because I mean, just look at it, look at the world. We've got more information than we've ever had about how to take care of yourself. We've never been sicker. Why is that? Um, Partly I think it's because it's not information that's going to create the fix, but, but partly it's because I don't think we think we deserve better. I don't think Mm -hmm. we deserve better. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Susan. I, I, I keep hearing that piece too. It's like, and we deserve to know that we're good enough and we're enough exactly as we are right here and that we can begin again today, right now. Um, your phrase going toward it too, makes me think I listen to, I love Ani Pema Chodron and I listened to one of her talks last week um, called Getting Unstuck. It's about 
it's like three and a half hours. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I would strongly recommend it um, to you, to any listeners who are tuning in, but she, it's all about um, a lot of what we've talked about actually in a different way, Susan, but um, she uses the word Shenpa. And I know I'm, I'm not going to describe it in the best way. It's actually pretty, pretty hard to des- describe, but she talks about how we all have our, all humans have Shenpa and it can show up in different ways it Can show up as anger, rage, it can show up as um, a strong craving, you know, and, and you mentioned the desire to want to just numb out, avoid, fast forward, hurry through, distract, which we all do in our own ways um, through alcohol, exercise, um, video games, social media, whatever the things are. Um, and then she talks about for some, it's deep sadness um, and get kind of stuck in. Um, but she, through the talk is trying to help people to celebrate when the Shempa shows up, you know, we all, all have our triggers as opposed to feel like, you know, it makes us um, not worthy, not lovable, um, not good enough. And that the, the practice, the meditation practices in learning to meet ourselves right there with just a little bit of tenderness, a little bit of warmth, deep breaths, touching the heart, um, landing and softening and like slowing down and, just again and again, because it's not a perf- not anything we're ever going to perfect. And I love her because she's so real and um, shares her humanness um, around it. Um, but that we get this opportunity, you know, when we become, when we practice to become just a little bit more aware and to keep celebrating all those little moments, even if they feel terrible. Um, but we get to learn just again, to, to sit with the discomfort, to be in it as opposed to as you've talked about, like want to hurry through or distract or um, which we have so much accessibility to right now. So anyway, I strongly, you just, in, in this conversation we've had today, I keep thinking about that because it was such a wonderful, profound reminder for me um, with some of my own patterns that have been showing up again that I'm working on, um, but also um, just a beautiful layering of practices to share with other people. Um, and that we all have our breath we all have the touch of our heart um, and that we're in it together. So there's that big collective compassion piece too. So, yeah. Thank you, Susan. Oh, thank you, Annie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um, This has been such a joy. So I really appreciate your presence and your sharing and your passion. So, yeah. Well, where can... You. Yeah, I was going to say thank you for giving me the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Where can people find you if if people are interested, listeners want to um, find you? Where, where are the best yeah. places? So I think the best place to go to, I'll give people two ideas, but if you go to rememberingwhatmattersmost.com, that will show all the different things that I do as well as an online membership health and healing community that I have. And also, too, I'm about to self-publish a book called Trusting Your Body, which I'm very excited about. So exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time coming. And hopefully that'll be available sometime around the beginning of June. So if people want to check back then, uh, there'll be something there. And then I also write a weekly blog under medicineforthepeople.com. And the four is the number four. So that's medicineforthepeople.com. And that's a weekly blog on everything, health, healing, spirit, technology, kind of everything about how we're living right now. 
That's awesome. That's fantastic. Oh, I'm so excited for your book too. That'll be wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Susan. This has been such a joy and I'm excited to continue to witness you um, continue to step out in your courage and offer the world your light. Yeah. Well, you're very welcome. And I appreciate uh, you having me on, Annie. And I do hope we get another chance to talk too. Yeah, me too. Me too.